Why hello there, why hello there, why hello there, what's wrong with me today? Uh, hello and welcome to the uh, Wrestling Headlines WWE NXT review, my name is Matt Mayer aka Impumed, we are live here on YouTube and will be available in podcast form later, of course if you listen to this podcast form now, yeah, and this was the NXT episode where we found out suddenly Vengeance is, what was it, Vengeance Day, I can't remember what it was called, I've written it in my notes, I can't remember what it's called. But take over vengeance. Oh, I'll say vengeance day. Is next bloody Sunday? <laughs> Suddenly out of nowhere, and I've been very complimentary of NXT like this year, like since New Year's Evil. I've been quite complimentary about it. I've liked the pace of their storytelling. And then suddenly, bam, out of nowhere. Oh, by the way, next Sunday's a takeover, and suddenly on this takeover, matches are falling into place. I was like, ah, oh, I was really enjoying the pacing of the storytelling as of late, and then suddenly on this show specifically, for me, it's like, oh, it felt a little bit like we jumped a week. And I think it's that close in terms of the, for me, for the progression from New Year's Evil to Vengeance Day, for being just, for me, like a perfect flow. And it's like, oh, you were so close to get, for me, for rating it that perfect flow. Uh, But this week it felt like suddenly, like, we jumped a week, and suddenly matches are getting announced, and uh, it felt like the show, like, when you announce the show, and any matches within the same show. feels a little bit odd. Like, I had no idea Vengeance Day was going to be taking place next Sunday until this show when you're also announcing... Oh, by the way, there's a heap of matches as well. <laughs> it's, like, it's a bit a bit last minute. Um, but, yeah. Aside from that, yeah. It only feels like for me that they've jumped a week a bit, as in it would have only taken like one more show for that flow to be, for me, perfect. Uh, but the big thing from this week's NXT... This was the NXT where Edge appeared. And that's a a massive star. The Royal Rumble winner, the first time ever the Royal Rumble winner has appeared on NXT. Obviously, aside from Charlotte. I mean, the men's Rumble. But the the first time he actually went to NXT and treated them just like any other belt. Be it for the champion on SmackDown, the champion on Raw. Edge turned up on NXT and to also address the NXT Championship. Which, of course, just mirrors that water of is it developmental or not. And, of course, like lately we've had Daniel Bryan coming out saying, is it developmental? And they don't, sorry, Daniel Bryan was saying into the question of is it developmental that he, he thinks it's not anymore, like it's become its own main show thing. Which then I immediately jump in with, and, well, why is it when I watch NXT, it feels like it's a jumble between the two. <laughs> it's not, and it's, it's kind of flipping all over, yeah, really. That said... Since New Year's Evil, it feels a lot more streamlined. And the thing that's really helped that is the Dusty Cup. Because you, when I say a bit more streamlined, like you've got your main NXT kind of star people, but then you've got others getting opportunities. And for me, that's a that's a decent flow to have that. Like you've got that, I guess, NXT ceiling a little bit. But you then got people who are getting a spotlight to break through it. And for me, that is great to see that. There's, it feels like there's a progression in place. It's just a little, uh, we'll see how it goes longer term. But short term, since it was evil, it feels like a lot of the complaints I had have all like one by one been slowly readdressed over this past month to show me that they can do all of the things I was complaining about. And no, that's not a, oh, you just flipped on your opinion. That's weeks later, I would say NXT have improved over these weeks, which also means that my 
analysis changes. <laughs> it's not a, oh, NXT bad. It's a, no, it's, I watch this every single week. And for me personally, from New Year's Evil to Vengeance, I've enjoyed this period. I didn't enjoy the period from like building two war games. I guess from TakeOver, was it 31, to war games. Wasn't a massive fan of that. I liked that, the old segment. And uh, then I wasn't a massive fan of war games to New Year's Evil like even more. However, I've enjoyed this period. So, yeah, there's obviously bright spark, really bright sparks, uh, sparks, sparks in there. I'm putting parts and sparks together to get that. Yeah, it's there's been bright sparks in there the entire time. But for me personally, I've just really enjoyed this little stretch here. And I think it's because of the Dusty Cup, where we have got those established people which are there around for ages. But you've also got them giving opportunities to new ones. And you've got your current era guys uh, getting re-established as well. Again, coming back from injury helps. But uh, I don't know. There's something about the way that the uh, recent NXT shows have flowed, where I've gotten really behind them. Even if there's something about the way the Pete Dunne character's been put across, I think it's because he was part of Pat McAfee's group, and, they've, and now he's going for the NXT Championship at TakeOver. I feel like uh, he doesn't feel like any someone who could realistically take down Finn Balor because he wasn't number one within his own group until after Pat McAfee's gone. However, that said, TakeOver can be the show to do that. So that's my only kind of thing going into it. But in terms of Edge showing up, one, did it move the needle? No. NXT went back down to 600,000, kind of just like they do quite often. It was nice to see both AEW and NXT very close to each other last week. Uh, but this week, NXT's kept their ground in their 800,000s and NXT's dropped back down to 600,000s. That said, NXT put on a special and AW, sorry, sorry, AW put on the special in their beach show. <laughs> I call it the beach show. <laughs> really enjoyed it. White hot ending. Uh, well, I mean, it, it was an amazing and fun main event before Kenta bloody shows up <laughs> over there. So it's an it's a AW I will remember. NXT's thing to remember was Edge showing up. Uh, announced ahead of time. Obviously, as soon as that happened, Twitter goes into a frenzy of, oh, they're bringing in big guns again to go after AEW. Uh, for me personally, I felt like if there is a third brand, it makes sense for the Royal Rumble winner to go there. So yeah, so I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with Edge turning up purely because it if there is a third brand, start treating it like that. Because that was one of my complaints. What is and is NXT a third brand or not? Was my main complaint. As in, it's like they it was like plot convenience. Yes, you know. It's one of my least favourite <laughs> WWE kind of world rules they sometimes fall into. It's, yeah, the plot convenience thing of is NXT a third brand or not depends on whether you want to use them or not. Uh, same with is what happens in NXT canon when you get to the main roster. Well, it's character convenient <laughs> in a way. But if it's a third brand, Edge would go there. So he's gone there and it's part of that making NXT a bit more third brand. And for me, in terms of if they are going to stick on Wednesday, he's going to stay with this Wednesday Night War thing, then for me, the big thing there is really do make it a third brand. None of this 50-50 BS, as in, the main thing, I may really have liked it as a developmental, seeing that rate of progression. However, pick one, stick with it. That's my main kind of course of NXT. Pick, either it's developmental, or it's a third brand, pick one, stick with it, stop going um and, uh, uh, and fiddling all over. <laughs> that's it. And for me, edge jumping over is a nice sign that they're picking one of them. Yeah, that's why. But obviously you have sprinkles of people getting opportunities. And I think that's the. I think I figured out. But for me, that's the magic of NXT. Like, yes, you have your main established acts, and you, yeah, you got all that jazz. You got the special people coming down, which 
I don't really feel like the expe- of of like bringing the bigger stars down to make NXT feel like this bigger deal. For me, that's not worked. Weirdly, I don't think the show needs them. It works. <laughs> They've got a strong enough brand as it is. Uh, and I, I don't feel like loads jumping down would fix it. As in, even though Kevin Owens wanted to, I don't think him coming to NXT would do anything. It would continue to lose to AEW. Because again, comparing like the third lower down brand to like the main lot of what of one, and again, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's something to get into. I wanted to get into Edge. So anyway, in terms... I just, I don't know, you know what? I'm going to drop all of that argument. AW won again. I thought both shows... I enjoyed both shows again. I, re- I think I put it as NXT had a great show and AW had a fantastic show. <laughs> so it's one of those where... Like, oh, but, uh, sucks, for, sucks to be a week where you put on a great show because the other one was fantastic. <laughs> it's like, as a wrestling fan, oh no, I got a great and a fantastic show. What a shame. <laughs> I got two wrestling shows I really enjoyed. What a shame. I do not get the tribalism. <laughs> I mean, to be fair... As soon as AW and NXT were on the same night, it was, to be announced on the same night, it was the most predictable thing in the world that you'd get people choosing either side. Because you get it in everything. It's not a wrestling fan thing. No, this is a human thing. It happens, well, at least in the West, it happens in everything. Be it Marvel versus DC. Be it uh, Xbox versus PlayStation. Uh, be it PC versus console <laughs> in that world as well. Like it doesn't ma- It was the most predictable thing in the world. You knew this was going to happen. Uh, it, and especially in wrestling terms as well. Whenever, like before AEW, whenever. Well, I guess TNA back in those days, like there was a bit of a little thing there as well. Uh, with the amount of memes that, uh, that came up in that era that still get used today. Like, who's this in the impact zone? <laughs> like those gags. But also. Like whenever New Japan would have a big show, and like people like me, where New Japan was my number one, I I would get really ecstatic for those shows, and I'd be singing the praises of it, which seemed to automatically bring people trying to bring it down. I'm just like, I don't understand the reasoning why you would do that. It's so weird. <laughs> but I'm just somebody who enjoys the wrestling, and I like it when my wrestling shows are good, and I will recommend both NXT and AEW this week. Uh, in terms of the Edge segment, which I guess is the big thing to be talking about, first off, a car arrived, and it was Dunn, Birch, and Larkin, and Dunn was really quiet. Uh, that got addressed by his friends. It's like, I'm going to find Finn. Yeah, let's go find Balor. Yeah, let's go find Balor. Let's get on the buses, go find Balor. <laughs> what am I saying? Anyway, uh, so Pete Dunn finds Balor. Uh, Pete's uh, he's direct as well like in his seriousness with his tone. He's already told Finn. He's not waiting anymore. That's why he sent, he sent the message again last week by snapping his fingers. Uh, don't make me have to be more clear than that, all right? <laughs> Serious Britishness in him. Uh, like a rehearsed play, though, Ballastine brings out the champion. As in, as soon as Pete does like, right, don't, ma- don't make me have to be more clear than that. Oh, <laughs> It's on the beat, kind of rehearsed levels of it. It's like, yeah, I like, there's a reason... In terms of my constants of WWE production, it feels, ex- when I say extremely produced, it also feels extremely rehearsed, like a play. As in, it doesn't feel organic when things happen, because they're rehearsed to happen on the beat, and it feels like, well, this is the next thing. And it's not it's not amazingly acted quite often. So you've got, more often than not, you'll get something like this here, where he finishes his lines, the beat happens for him to play out, the other guy gets out his lines. It's like, oh, I can't get into it <laughs> when that's happening. Uh, but I get the mess. I can understand the story. I can take what they're trying to sell me on 
for me, it's like, that's kind of the important stuff when you get to the match because this stuff can build into it, give you more from it. That said, not a massive fan of WWE's promo delivery method. Some people are good at it. I think that's my message for this is I'm not saying don't script anybody. Some people are stronger with a script. Other people are stronger without one. Other people don't need to be given as much mic time as everybody. You don't give Asuka the same promo as you'd give somebody else. That's a cough <laughs> for more where he did exactly that. <laughs> it's just, yeah, why does everybody have to be written the same is my main point. Uh, but yeah, so Pete Dunne gives his lines. Bala comes out and gives his. Uh, Bala lets him know that Pete's got his match at TakeOver Vengeance Day. See, I told you to write it down and you'll find it. And as soon as Bala tells Pete that he's got his match at TakeOver, Hello, Edge! <laughs> you think you know me. Bah, 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 bah. And it turns out Alterbridge plays great in the NXT arena. <laughs> it was just, if for some reason, as soon as his theme played and he came on out, and it's just, I guess the atmosphere of the place, it just worked and it fit for me. I was in on the segment, like judging it as a segment as soon as Edge came out. I was like, oh, this weirdly fits. <laughs> Maybe it's the uh, kind of presence NXT has itself, that like the Edge character fits in really well. That's just my oh, my immediate thought was he slots in really well in NXT. Uh, I wasn't batting an eyelid that I was like, oh, here's somebody who's not normally here. It's like, no, it, it strangely worked. Anyway, Edge lets the lads know like how big a role NXT played in helping him find his wrestling passion again. Uh, and then he teases us uh, like, as the Royal Rumble winner, popping on to each show, and he gives us a reason why he'd go for each champion. So, oh, yes, I'm now waiting for SmackDown, where he's gone on to all three shows and given a legit reason why he'd go for each one. I really like that. And who knows? Maybe the title match at Vengeance will influence his decision. And Edge looks on as Bala and Dunn stare each other down. And that's it for that segment. Like He's really there to put them both over. To make them both feel like big deals. He picked them both up before giving his little speech on himself. And then they stare at each other. That ending felt a bit, again, rehearsed of that's how it's going to go. So we do that thing. It didn't, again, didn't feel like an organic reaction to what had just happened. Uh, also, it's interesting the Finn Balor character would take that much stock in Edge giving him that response of, oh, I really want to, oh, it's, it's weird. I feel like his character wouldn't care as much unless he's like, oh, I could get money there. That would work, but that's not the kind of reaction he gave. Uh, anyway, later on, there's one more Edge segment. Edge goes to the parking lot. Oh, no, it's the most dangerous place. <laughs> And he's asked by the cameraman what he's going to do. When Karrion Cross approaches him and lets him know that he, he hopes he chooses wisely when it comes to his WrestleMania challenger, that, that if he chooses NXT, it won't be either of those other two lads that he faces. It'll be him. It'll be Karrion Cross that will have to face. And Edge, uh, I like this bit, he can, he can stay strong in the face of the threat. And just, just asked Karrion, like, is making an enemy of Edge something Cross actually wants? And then just walks away. He's like, ah, yes, that's that's the level I quite like <laughs> with Edge. Yeah, yeah. I like that. He felt like, he's like, oh, yeah, this guy is a pro wrestler and he can get serious when he needs to. And then off he pops. Like, that, that's the magic of Edge where he can be promo guy, be pure comedy guy, but then he can turn it on and be serious and believable in all three of them, which takes some bloody skill, <laughs> didn't they, all, all three? Yeah. And to, and to be fair, this show does a setting up Vengeance Day. There are matches that I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, some have had quick builds, uh, that very like quick to the point, like the Women's Championship match, and then others have obviously got the massive Dusty Cup. But then the others are like the Pete Dunne Finn Bella one, which I feel like has evolved at a really nice pace for me. 
I think for, for me, that was the match where one more week and the pacing's perfect. He flipping nailed it. Uh, I would have still announced Vengeance Day this week. And then you've, it kind of evolves a little bit afterwards compared to all in one. Oh, shit. <laughs> Show, gonna, yeah, I've got, we're going to hype it. Damn it. We've got, I knew we've got something. <laughs> they reminded me of that. Uh, so, yeah. That's my kind of reaction to it. But yes, Edge on NXT wasn't massively eventful, but I felt like it fitted in and gave a li- gave a bit more a drama to the match. The thing is, though, Edge isn't going to be facing the NXT champion at WrestleMania. It's all those ones where it's got to be the WWE Championship because of how that falls into him, re- him originally retiring and then going after a title that he never lost. And just the story behind that. He cannot, he cannot not go for that one. Or at least a main roster one. Because the Universal Championship's a new title and the World Heavyweight Championship was merged with the WWE Championship. So in terms of lineage, he should be going for Drew McIntyre. In terms of match that I think would work the best, it would be Roman Reigns. And Edge became like a massive guy on SmackDown as well. So, I mean, to be honest, he's a great one on Raw. <laughs> but on SmackDown, like really, that was his home. So I'd like to see him go against Roman Reigns. Because really, who else is Roman Reigns facing? And I'd love to see Roman Reigns stay as a dominant champion for ages. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's a conversation for like a Raw review. <laughs> that's not but it turns out, it turns out NXT. He turned up, he got a pop. He's like, oh my God, it's Edge. And then he put both guys over before leaving. Not really much else to report on. Not a massive thing, really. Not the kind of segment that would ever kind of counter what the opposition were doing. Do people channel switch anymore? I don't get the impression. Especially when you look at the demographics. It seems older watches NXT, younger watches AEW. And it kind of stays like that. With a small select dropping back and forth. And then of course, so many people watch it online as well. Yeah, it's a interesting one. <laughs> anyway, uh, as you can tell, like, I was really hyped and amped after watching AEW and NXT. And then going into NXT, I just really enjoyed it. It's not about, it's like, I guess Again, in terms of, even though I view NXT... Like, I watch AEW first, because I'm really into that one. It's, it's In terms of storylines, in terms of progression, I'm really into AEW whilst I'm enjoying the product of NXT right now. Uh, and a lot of that is to do with the fact that I wasn't enjoying NXT for, like, the last second half of the year. And for the fact that I'm enjoying it now, I was like, yeah, but I'm not invested in the characters yet because of what's come beforehand. Like, the last six months, I kind of became de-invested. Now I'm enjoying the show again. So maybe... Maybe I'll become reinvested over time, hopefully. <laughs> it's, it's a short window. But thumbs up for NXT. It's a good show this week. Great show, even. <laughs> it's a great show. Stick with what you said earlier, Imp. Anyway, now I'm going to go through the show in order, just blasting through what happened through the Dusty Cup matches and down, all the way down to the main event, which is also a Dusty Cup match, so that's a bit of a waste of breath. Anyway, so we kicked off the show with the women's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic semi-finals match. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Katie Catanzaro and Caden Carter. Last week I said, pick Caden Catanzaro and Carter, have them defeat two upsets in a row and go to the finals. Don't have to win the finals, but they're over at that point. And NXT have gone a different way. And as soon as I watched it play out, I was like, you know what? Catanzaro and Carter have still gotten over. It's fine. They've, it's done its job. And then you can have the faces face Kai and Gonzalez instead. I feel like that's the only issue. The only issue... Is, to be fair, like whoever won this one, you'd know who'd win next week. Because if, if it's Katazar and Carter, then the heels are winning next week. If it's Kai and Gonzalez, then the faces are winning next week. So it was never in the air what was going to be happening for the next week. Never, you're never under any illusion or disillusion what's going to be happening. But 
And the match itself was great. Uh, NXT always trying to fight, trying to work out little format quirks. At uh, this time, it was Kai Gonzalez addressing the camera backstage on their way to the entrance. But before we've seen the ring really at all, it's the start of the show. They directly address the camera, give some little what what, <laughs> and then uh, walk to do their entrances. And immediately, I was like, maybe it's something that would work in a not so scripted environment. As in, they walk forward, hit their mark directly into camera, give the line, walk away. And it's like, it felt so scripted and just, <laughs> just for, again, the rehearsed produced kind of feeling to it. It's like, there was absolutely nothing natural about that. As in, it wasn't even like a someone behind the camera getting an off-the-cuff off remark. It was, walk forward, stop to hit your spot, give your line, walk up the steps. It's, like, it's just way too, when I say robotic, I mean rehearsed. And yeah, that, that's, my, that's my only thing. If you're going to do something like that, maybe don't have it as scripted. Make it a bit more organic would be my main point of criticism. But in terms of like a mini thing, yeah, it was fine, <laughs> I guess. That's why, that's why it felt corny to me. I felt like it could work, but not in the way WWE does writes or does produces their shows because it's too scripted. It will never feel natural. It will just feel corny. <laughs> that's exactly what it felt like. But it's not the worst idea in the world. Anyway, Kato and Catanzaro's teamwork no longer a surprise. And because of that, Kai Gazzales took them seriously. Like after that first round upset, after seeing what they're capable of, why would their next round opponent also get surprised by them? I like that. It's progression. It's the, as they get onto that next team, like people know your strengths and try to counter you. Like, yes, I really like that. A nice fast opener this match with our goodies fighting the strength of Gonzalez in tow of Kai the Distractor as the baddies struggled to keep with the pace. It's a nice little story, this one. Uh, Casey literally elevating her offense as she climbed up the support structure to cross on down onto both of her opponents. Uh, Kai, the more equipped to deal with the pace, but obviously struggled against both of the lasses uh, in terms of when she was two and one. The two with a massive boost of confidence, the uh, high-flying duo, really not wrestling like an underdog team like they were in the last match. They're not that team fighting from up of being kept down by one of the opposition. Like, no, they they were more a team knowing how damn great they were and they had strong runs of offence. So, yeah, in terms of, like, a flow of a match, it was really nice to see one have such a different flow to it. Uh, again, a bit scared that it would take a very similar flow of the baddies dominating and then the goodies fight back and then you go into whatever your ending is. But, no, here, like, they had a lot more offence and Kai Gazzardis genuinely struggled at times. But again, I did like both Kai Gonzalez had certain strengths against the opposition, but when separated, those strengths became a bit weaker. But when they came together, they just brought it back again. Yeah, I like that little story. Anyway, it was uh, taking Kai, saving the day to keep her team in. It was, again, a nice little twist, because normally that's Gonzalez. Carter and Casanzaro fully working down Big Mama Cool as Casey nailed that insane top rope finish. Oh, yeah, again, whatever it is. Uh, Dakota, again, the one saving momentum and allowing Gonzalez to hoist poor Catanzaro high up into the air and break the last with that choke slam. Don't know what it's actually called, but I've called it choke and then slam in all capitals. <laughs> Whatever it's called. Because that's not just a choke slam, that's a choke slam. <laughs> I really like it. I also find a way to say it. Yeah. Yeah, a nice little opener and Kai Gonzalez advanced to the next round, which surely means that it's going to be Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon in the finals. And... In NXT Dusty Cup fashion, it's likely to be in the thrown together team that wins because that's what's happened so often. <laughs> the Dusty Cup, they always do really well these thrown together teams, and then but then you can lead that into a feud, which is also normally the next step. With Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart having a little thing, it's on the same page for this. 
Doesn't mean they're definitely on the same page because they both want to be NXT Women's Champion. Yeah. Because like, like, if, it's, if it's not Raquel Gonzalez beating Io Shirai for the championship, I don't know who it's going to be. And I don't know how much time Io Shirai is going to be spending in NXT. I don't know what the plan is for her moving forward because they're only just getting up people like Rhea Ripley who for, like really has been ready to go for a while. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm surprised when she didn't like beat Charlotte Flair or stay on the main roster permanently last year and just entered a little uh, wobble. To be fair, we got Raquel Gonzalez versus Rhea Ripley in big Hoss matches, and that I'm really thankful for. <laughs> like Ripley's second half of 2020, fantastic. Loved it. And she started to work with this guy, current generation who have really come up, and it feels like a fantastic women's division yet again. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ripley's going up. Which, but I would say Ripley was, obviously in terms of NXT tenure, ready to, in, she was ahead of the line of Io Shirai, and Ripley's only just getting called up now. So wh- wh- how long does Io Shirai stay? Mrs. Chapin, she's got a while. We'll wait and see. Uh, but yeah, a fun first round match. Sorry, f- fun semi-final match. <laughs> it was the first match of the night. And uh, it opened so uh, relatively nicely. Yeah, a fun, a fun injection with consequences because it's a tournament match. Anyway, uh, after that, Tony Storm had a little interview. She's going to show us that she never needed that dead weight in Mercedes Martinez as she takes on, it was the other loser in Jesse Camilla. That was it. Of officially the Robert Stoke brand. We'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, match number two of the night, Austin Theory with Johnny Gargano versus Leon Ruff. Uh, first note, Johnny properly cracking me up, <laughs> peeking from behind Theory with a big wide open grin on his face. <laughs> just like, just like, Hey, it's me. <laughs> I love that. So it made me laugh so much. Uh, that story of a theory's talent being clearly on display. If only it weren't for his cockiness getting in the way and costing him during matches. But the guidance of Gargano, that piece to fix the puzzle. Again, a dynamic and obviously theory has a reason to be in the way. And he can understand why he's in the way. As in, you can see it when you watch him wrestle. You can see that he needs the guidance of Gargano. Uh, he gets something from being in the way and of course Johnny Gargano gets a loyal subject that will help him out in matches as well like it's a win-win yeah I like it when things are reinforced <laughs> instead of being thrown together and well that's the thing now I'm, I'm commentary will try and make something up it's like no you're seeing it in action I like that anyway Ruff was fighting back as Theory was the man in control but Johnny was there again and again to try and help his man find the way back in. See, I can do it. LeVay <laughs> and Hartwell came out to help Johnny after Leon dove onto the lad in a spur of momentum. But out came Moon and Blackheart to brawl with them to the back, the ref ushering them out in an attempt to reissue control. But Ruff was playing the cheeky sports game, uh, pretending Johnny struck him to get the North American champion sent to the back in classic dramatic fashion. You're out of here. <laughs> but again, uh, bettering theory in the ring with that awesome whisper into a cutter. That's what I'm calling it. Lighthearted whisper into the wind, but he spins around into a cutter. Love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Beautiful. And like it didn't last long, though. That momentum for Ruff. Uh, one-on-one, he eventually got caught, and down he went via the TKO for the Theory win, or the ATL, as Reeves called it. I can't remember what that stands for. A second after the match, he was sending a message. Austin grabbing the bell to follow on up. I say a second, I mean a second ATL, TKO, <laughs> to bring him down. But he went to grab the bell to follow one up with. But Loomis was there to stop him. And he goes to lock in a sleeper. And Theory wiggles, wiggles, wiggles out. And in his wiggling out, Loomis grabs a lock of his hair. <laughs> Theory's then on the ramp having gotten away like, ow, my head. As Loomis brushes the hair on his face. 
in a really <laughs> he gets well it's like what is this we, this man's a baby face <laughs> this is so strange uh okay yeah it's like lovable creep is that what they go for again it's a character i've not been able to get into uh, again it's another one i feel could work on the main roster but obviously not a simple character <laughs> so we'll see how that goes uh, then we got Legendo del Ventasma VTR a nice little video package putting Escobar over as he uh, he emits his decree for the show. Uh, Escobar will manhandle Kurt Stallion, uh, the other two securing that bright future via beating Lucha House Party in the Dusty Cup. And then we got quite possibly my I call it my favourite VTR of the show. Sounds a bit nerdy. <laughs> what I mean is. Uh, this promo package was fantastic and gave so much kind of story kind of where I felt like it was needed, but it was weird enough that it didn't ground the character too much, which is my worry. I mean, I'll get to grounding a thing too much in a second, but it was a video like of uh, Tian Sha, who is the creepy chair lass <laughs> from Jia uh, Lee and Bo's uh, arc character, whatever they are, of, of their gimmick. But she got an animated back... I can't speak. An animated backstory video. Really, really enjoyed it. Like, oh, it was a story of a son murdering his way to power and dishonor, of a daughter escaping in disarray to the, to then heed the teachings of a dragon to learn of his power and the way that he can fight. But that drives her down a dark path, and she has to, in an essence, become the thing she hates to conquer that. And I goddamn love that. <laughs> it was so so good. I uh, like like the start of an animated fantasy film, like set in ancient China, and it's a, a more basic drawing thing. And then he would go into the fully fledged animation. It's like I really really enjoyed that. <laughs> I thought it was really really well done. And then immediately ruined by the commentary. Like goddamn it. <laughs> so this is for me. It's just a, a it's another random WWE quirk. But you do something that's out there, that's a bit weird, and it's like they're... A, it gets in their heads that people might go, well, that's a bit weird, what, you want me to believe that? So on their own product, they'd have commentary poking holes in that story they've just told. That they, A second ago, they wanted us to listen to that story and really get involved into it because it explains this weird character that's on the show. But then commentary's immediately poking holes in it. It's like, what is to believe that? That's his thousands of years old. Are you mental? <laughs> it's like... Like, who cares if the viewers poke holes? Why are you do, like are you doing it ahead of time to stop viewers poking holes in it? Just don't... Who cares? <laughs> it really doesn't matter. <laughs> I thought it was well done. So who cares? <laughs> why poke holes in it? It's like, why point out the ridiculousness immediately after, like, on your own show? Like, it's such weird quirks. It's like... Uh, oh, it's not quite the same. Say in video games where you get a comedy video game. And it's going like, oh, uh, side, oh, isn't this side quest where we've got to go and fetch this thing for this person? Like, oh, fetch quest, irritating and boring. <laughs> fetch quests are stupid. But they're saying, the character's saying that after you've been given a side quest where you've got to fetch something for somebody. So, like, oh, oh, oh uh, we're so self-aware of this, this thing that's stupid. As in, don't, if you think it's stupid, don't give it me. <laughs> Why would you show something that you think is stupid? <laughs> and it's weird. Yeah, I never... I don't understand that WWE quirk. Like they, they do the thing, but they don't have the self-confidence to then not poke holes in it. It's like, well, the fans are going to do it, so we'll get ahead of them. No, just, who cares? <laughs> Is it really matter that much? So, yeah. But, yeah, I thought the video package itself was really well done. I'm really, really into it. And the character, like, the whole thing is weird enough as it is, but I felt like that backstory, it fit the weirdness of the character. 
like, it, especially, you can easily play it up as, is it true or not? But that's the story they're giving. So when you look at that character, that is the story you're meant to see. When you look at her, uh, she's got it's a, a mystical character with a lot behind her. But then just immediately to have comedy and go, what? That's nonsense. <laughs> it's like, why? Why do that? It was it was so perfect up until that moment. Oh, that, ah, that sucks. <laughs> you were nailing it. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's NXT. And NXT, I'm a bit more forgiving in terms of slight tweaks from one week to the next as they figure out characters. Because, again, it is still mini-developmental. Yeah, but yeah, I'm really enjoying the Jaili uh, character. And I thought this was a fantastic addition to T whatever TN Shah ends up being. But yeah. Anyway, after this, we've got our first men's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic match, which is currently this week in the quarterfinals. And that... Went to Lucha Things. Legado de Fantasma versus Lucha House Party. A great back and forth match. Like genuinely believable either team could win. Which really suckered me in when they were jumping all over the place. Like well which one's going to get the momentum by the end of it. Some great Lucha sequences too. Uh, for me the peak was Mendoza sat on the ropes as Metalik has citizen him out into the wild. <laughs> no. Out to the outside where wild was. Oh, into the wild. Oh that's. That was a perfect accidental line. <laughs> so yeah, he heads his Mendoza into the wild. <laughs> Followed by Dorado moonsaulting down onto all of them. And yeah, Lucha House Party throwing themselves to the wind. But it paid its price. As Dorado was unable to like, really get back into the match after throwing his body without caution. <laughs> he then paid the price of that. Where he was unable to get back in. And our Legado duo hit a nice running boot into an STO for the win. And Legado de Fantasma advanced to the semi-finals, which again, in terms of that group, I felt like that's something they've really needed to expand out of the cruiserweight division. Where for me, again, it's been uh, Fantasma face, not Fantasma, it's been Escobar facing challenger of the month for, in NXT. And on in NXT itself, the cruiserweight division feels extremely thin. So he's been like champion of what division? Because I don't watch 205 Live. So it's like champion of what division? And so on NXT, the Cruiserweight division felt extremely thin. But suddenly, it felt like they really are giving some weight to this character, to this act, for who he's feuding with. Uh, we'll get to his interaction with Karrion Cross later, because he had his own championship defensive match. But after this Dusty Cup match, MSK then came out for a wee chinwag uh, to say hello to their semi-final opponents for next week. So yeah, uh, and also a nice little thing to get these new characters on the microphone as well, get the personalities over a bit more as we then head into semi-finals. Yeah, that should be a really fun match. Uh, after that, we got the Pete Dunne finding Balor and also Edge, and uh, as soon as that ended, we got a segment that I really enjoyed. A uh, little setup for a Vengeance, where Gargano is asked in an interview, uh, "How is the way feeling after Theory's win?" Great. Uh, how are Candice and Indy feeling ahead of the semi-finals? Like, fantastic! <laughs> and then Johnny's like, he's complimenting the interview on a great questions. But yeah, I'm feeling great. They're feeling fantastic. These are these are great questions. <laughs> like, good stuff for you, interviewer. But then she went and spoiled it all by saying something stupid like Kushida. <laughs> she let him know he'll be defending his title against Kushida at TakeOver. Immediately, he's like, lies, like, how dare you, new lady? Like, Who are you? Who are you even? Like, We're going to go to the Beagle's office, <laughs> making up lies, crazy person. <laughs> and he just, yeah, goes with her to the office, and he's bringing the cameraman with him so he can see the woman get fired, as he said to us. It's like, we're going to see a woman get fired. Come with me, come with me. And when he knocks on the door, it's Kushida who's the one who answers the knock, uh, just, you know, 
confirms that vengeance is definitely happening and we enter a brawl. And Gargano loses it as soon as he sees Kushida. They like, can't keep his cool. Yeah, yeah. Nice little, nice little setup where we've seen Johnny Gargano progress in the severity of like Kushida's presence, of like hearing his name, just seeing him, just sending him into a fit of rage. <laughs> just, yeah, I really like that. Of course, the question is, will Kushida beat him? I feel like he... Oh, it's a weird one. I feel like he... When I say I feel like he has to, it's partly because what... If he loses this, where does Kushida go afterwards? Because he felt like he was in nothing. If he loses this feud, surely he just goes back to nothing. And, uh, like, Gargano's being set up to face Loomis. So do you get make Loomis the champion? But does the Loomis match need a championship? Like, Gargano can lose this and then continue, like, his mental descent <laughs> against next to Loomis as well. Uh, so, yeah. Maybe that's what I do. Anyway, after that, Jesse Kamiya versus Tony Storm. And Kamiya officially announces part of Robert Stone brand as Robert Stone and Aaliyah are both with her. And yeah, two competitors eliminated from the Dusty Cup, both with something to prove. Like the setup of this match, shame we never got to see it. Like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> but Mercedes Martinez had words to say before the match could really get underway. It didn't go anywhere. Really. We saw a few moves from both. So in, there's like some intensity from Tony Storm. Jesse Kamir with some nice fighting back, but it was like a minute long. And head-to-head uh, -head talking trash, Mercedes Martinez was with Tony Storm in the middle of the ring as well. Like, no regard for the ongoing matchup. <laughs> Just immediately in. Entering a brawl before the NXT Women's Champion comes out in Io Shirai. And she just waits for her opportunity before nailing that beautiful moonsault to the outside. I was like, ah, oh, yes. And this is when it hit me during the show, like, Oh, by the way, TakeOver's next bloody Sunday. <laughs> it's like, that's come out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. Again, I felt like NXT's been telling its stories at such a nice pace since New Year's Evil. It's like, oh, one more week and it would have been perfect. But, yeah, it's fine. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's a shame that these stories that have been building up relatively nicely kind of culminate at this, like, as, like this just announced on us at such a short notice. It's like, oh, it's a bit of a shame. But otherwise naming it. And then we got Kurt Stallion with some Southern nonsense. <laughs> Whatever he said. He's going to make Texas proud against Escobar. Let's go with that. Uh, speaking of Southern nonsense, Cameron Grimes is returning next week. <laughs> yeah, Cameron Grimes. Again, it's the one voice I can do. <laughs> and yes, it is over the top. I'm fully aware. Uh, after that, yes, Kurt Stallion is getting these little character pieces. And my immediate question when it comes to the Cruiserweight division in NXT is after this week, does that continue? Or is Kurt Stallion, like, challenge of the week, he's gone, he move on to someone else, he's back to Jay Catless or something like that. And we've seen, um, one thing I have liked is after this, like, challenge of the week kind of era, like, Atlas and Swerve have been getting a lot more TV time, so their characters especially Swerve. Uh, I mean, to be fair, he's had, like, one or two more shows. But that's, you've seen them elevate up, like, the Cruiserweight was the lower level, and then they've progressed to getting character, <laughs> which is, rather than just being... Fancy, cha fancy challenger, <laughs> which, which is Kurt Stallion. Which, that's kind of the thing he's at the moment. Anyway, uh, Santos Escobar was joined by Wilder Mendoza to take on Kurt Stallion in this NXT Cruiserweight Championship match. Uh, keynote, we found out about 5-10 minutes in that Scarlett Bordeaux was watching on from the podium. Red smoke emitting around her. Someone ought to fix that. that can't, that'd be dangerous, that. <laughs> what makes red smoke? <laughs> that can't be good. Uh, Escobar dealing a strong run against the stallion, but is clearly distracted by the last doing her creepy presence stuff. Uh, Kurt went strike for strike initially, 
But once the match kicked into gear, he got beaten down further and further, like offering very little as the champion wore him down and the main focus shifted to Escobar versus Cross as he's constantly looking up at Scarlet Bordeaux as he's... Like, I was just waiting for the Scarlet Bordeaux distraction to cost him and let Stallion back in and then the match can get into its next gear. Like, uh, But I did like, like, during it, like, it was Escobar distracted by showing off to Scarlet to let her know that he wasn't distracted. It's like, it's not working. <laughs> Great move, lad. Uh, we know you're clearly distracted. Uh, Kurt found his way in via fighting out of Feynman's carry. Suddenly the man found the counter button. That's handy. Uh, following up with a dive, a splash in the ring, finally able to score some covers for the first time. But Escobar was still on it, reversing a suplex with one of his own to send the Lone Star crashing into the turnbuckles. And after that, Stallion was out. Phantom Driver down. Surely cheat, uh, beaten, but the champion was going to send a message. Underhook lifted him up and drove the lad down onto his knee. One, two, three. A strong victory against an opponent that only really had one spurt in the match <laughs> and was then easily, easily beaten. It's like, ah, oh, that's a shame. After we got a Kurt, Kurt Stallion, so the nonsense <laughs> promo with him being interviewed in the in an empty ring, and then we got him attacked, and then we got this week we got another kind of like a video on him, and Escobar got a video on him, and then he offers very little in the match, <laughs> just like one spurt of run of offense after dominated by the heel, and then he gets beaten. Uh, yeah, uh, poor Stallion, poor poor Stallion. But obviously, as I already said, the focus had already shifted during the match onto Escobar versus Cross. And this kind of made Escobar feel like a strong enough competitor. Like, Carrion Cross then arrived with his own message, launching Escobar's soldiers around ringside before approaching the general himself. Cross gave Escobar the gift of time to sort out their problem and to think over before the inevitable happens. Uh, TikTok and all that. <laughs> this really is the first feud Escobar's had with any meat on it. Like, finally something with substance to chew on after a long run of Challenger of the Month in the Thin Division. So it's just nice to see. Uh, to see nice. <laughs> Random Bruce Forsyth reference. <laughs> I know that the majority of my listeners are American. <laughs> so yeah, random British TV references. Uh, after that, we got Edge in the parking lot. It was all right. Don't worry, he didn't get attacked. Just strong words. <laughs> Sticks and Stone didn't break his bones, but words also didn't hurt him either. <laughs> he showed strength. And then on to the main event. Our final Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic quarter-final match of the day. The Undisputed Era versus Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. This was bloody brilliant. I <laughs> loved it. Really enjoyed... Like, in terms of like, go NXT versus AW as well, I thought both Tag Team main events were solid. I'd put... Again, it's a shame AW had a great... Sorry, NXT put on a great show when NXT AW put on an amazing show, a fantastic show. <laughs> it's just... Uh, I really enjoyed both. I really got into the main events of both. And I thought this was a really solid tag team match. The, the, I'd call... Personally, for me... I found the AEW main event tag a bit more, for me, it was close to masterful just in terms of how much I enjoyed it and the amount it had going on and then the Kenta thing at the end. Uh, this was a really, really solid match as well. Really got suckered into it, especially towards the end as it kicked into gear of like, who the hell's winning this as both of them, not both, like people on both sides are knocking down everybody on like, <laughs> you're the only one left standing type of stuff and does it get the win or not? Yeah, I really love that momentum. Uh, but for like the earlier part of the match, Thatcher and Champa were going for the tactic of wearing the opponents down. That their styles were in such sync that Cold and Strong's more experienced unity, which they were talking about the other week, like wasn't that big a deciding factor as we've seen like in other Dusty Cup matches as well. 
we've seen the thrown together team versus the established team where that was like a real factor here like it was kind of nerfed because Jennifer and Thatcher were just so on the same page like really as well it's two singles wrestlers with plenty of tag experience Thatcher not in WWE NXT with that experience but the man he tagged is with, with, with bloody Walter <laughs> so he's got experience like them both showing it as they made quick tags against poor Roddy the main difference being the wealth of practiced offense Strong and Cole were able to showcase. Like you could show unity being on the same page and good fluidity, but you wouldn't have all of those awesome like tag team moves that can go bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Motor City machine gun pace to it. Uh, but yeah, for me that was the main difference between the two teams. Uh, just not quite as easy when you make the unwise decision to try and win an exchange strike against Champa or Thatcher. <laughs> like, no, I'm strong. This is not the time to show how strong you are. <laughs> Be smart about this. Uh, the man finally making the hot tag after Timothy made an unwise decision to elevate to something off the top rope and got himself countered. Adam Cole successfully grabbing a whole chunk of momentum to send us into an awesome back and forth final run of minutes. Uh, Champo and Thatcher coming damn close after a great suplex tag, suplex tag, mighty relief suplex, running knee <laughs> combo uh, from... Uh, from them, but the Undisputed Era, as Cole took over and got two and three quarters on Champa after a super kick, uh, Undisputed Era themselves get super close for the falls. Uh, but the duo were unable to follow up with uh, with an end, thanks to Thatcher on the outside. He and Cole and Strong with a fantastic run of strikes, uh, leaving Cole down and Thatcher strewn over the barricade. When in game Champa, <laughs> hoisting Strong up and draped over the second rope for the Widow's Bell. Cole unable to make the save, and Champa and Thatcher grab the win. Fantastic main event, that. Uh, and afterwards, grizzled young veterans were out for a wee hello, and it just very quickly amplified into a mini brawl as their semi-final opponents really clash ahead of next week. And NXT goes off air with commentators screaming in excited voices as we watch for Burly Men Brawl. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a high-tempo match to end a strong episode of NXT. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed that main event. And again, a clarifier of, I keep feel, I keep feeling like I'm bringing in AW a little bit more. It's because I'm watching it first, where quite often I'd not have, I'd not be able to watch AW, but I finally found a way to organise my time to watch them both. <laughs> so it's, I can actually compare them now compared to only watching NXT and not finding time for AW. But yeah, I, Thought both shows put on fantastic main event matches, and this was a very strong showing. And especially as I had no idea who was going to win, I feel like that was a big part of it. Generally, just completely lost in the action, where I've got no idea if these runs of kicks and knees and chops ever <laughs> is going to lead to anything. And when it, in the end, when it did, it was a nice, like, sudden momentum. The champa was down. Everyone on the outside is having a massive kerfuffle. Then Champa wakes up and drags one of them in to finish the match. <laughs> I really like that finish. Yeah, and it gets me amped for next week. And I kind of feel like Champa and Thatcher might be going to the finals. That's my immediate thought. Like, in the Dusty Cup, in NXT, don't bet against the teams put together for this tournament. Don't bet against them. <laughs> and that's that. Anyway, that's the end of the NXT review. Thank you for... Uh, what do you well? F first off, what did you make of NXT? Were you as into the show as I was as well? And always up for the which one did you prefer, NXT or AEW? Obviously, as I was making point of earlier, not into like insulting the other side for random reasons. Both shows were good. So yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I, again, don't understand the tribalism. What's the point? <laughs> Seriously, it's wrestling. Get over yourselves. It really doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, so re- yeah, really enjoyed NXT. Very, very strong show. Would recommend you watch it. And the main event, Dusty Cup matches especially, if you're trying to follow that. The main event was really strong. No pun intended, because strong was in it. <laughs> Roderick Strong. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for uh, listening, for liking, whatever. Uh, again, it really helps with the analytics the algorithm that's the blue word we're looking for <laughs> it helps us algorithmically <laughs> in terms of engagement uh, so thank you to everybody who does that and i will be back on tuesday i've got a break oh remember week and seriously as an englishman like if you are american just well, i guess if you're wondering as an englishman doing royal rumble then i get one day to recover then it's a raw review one day to recover then it's the nxt review <laughs> it's like oh it's it hits <laughs> it starts to hit you um uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's great to have a nice little break. You really value them when they happen. Yeah. So anyway, and I, of course I don't take the fact that I get to do this for granted, and people actually listen. <laughs> I don't take it again. Don't take it for granted. I'm in quite a uh, quite a thankful mood as of late. Complete wrong time of the year. Gotta wait. Can I keep this up to November? <laughs> we'll wait and see. Anyway, I'll be back on Tuesday for the raw review. Again. I would like to do SmackDown as it's very quickly becoming the main WWE show. But my, in my life, I'd have to do it during the day. And in my life, I'm currently like not able to do that. As in, I'm doing this at midnight in the kitchen. <laughs> because again, life circumstances. It's not led to the easiest time. But by, it's, it's just a matter of time until I can finally do the shows on SmackDown. And I've got an actual place to record this <laughs> rather than here. Uh, so yeah. Anyway... With that, I say thank you for listening, watching, five-starring, liking, clicking the bell, subscribing, whatever other thing I've forgotten about. (laughs) With that, I bid you adieu. Adios.